Hey there, I'm Catalina Villegas. I'm the host of Rolly's Experts Explain Everything podcast. Rolly is the platform where journalists find experts for their stories. It is created by journalists for journalists. And as a journalist myself, I love to find fascinating people on Rolly. Experts with so much knowledge and insight, and yet it rarely makes it past the headlines. So I'm bringing on one of those experts to answer all the burning questions I've ever had about their field. Today I'm chatting with Marina Torres. She is an attorney, a graduate of Stanford Law. She is a former federal prosecutor and currently a candidate for LA City Attorney. Hey there, Marina. It's so nice to have you on. Hi. Well, thank you so much for having me. Okay, Marina, so let's talk a little bit about the city attorney position. What exactly does a city attorney do? You know, and this is probably the question that I get the most in my campaign because, you know, a lot of people will know what the DAs, you know, the district attorney does, but a city attorney tends to fly a little bit more under the radar. And so there's a lot of people that either think it's uh, the same as a district attorney or, or you know, have these questions. So uh, it's, it's a very common question I get. So I'll start off by saying that um, it is, it, it's the prosecutor that's closest to the people of the city. The responsibilities of most city attorneys, I would say across the country, fall into kind of three buckets. And it depends on, of course, the city. But uh, for Los Angeles, the city attorney is responsible for prosecuting all criminal misdemeanors that occur within the city of Los Angeles. And so these are like the property, uh, property crimes, quality of life crimes, um, it could mean DUIs, you know, it just, it'll depend on what the jurisdiction qualifies as a misdemeanor, but usually it's a quality of life crimes. And then on the civil side, the city attorney is usually in charge of suing on behalf of the city. So if you think of environmental pollutants, right, um, there's an oil spill and the city wants to achieve justice on behalf of the people whose homes, you know, have been contaminated. That's the role of the city attorney there is engaging in a affirmative litigation uh, on behalf of the residents of the city and also defending the city. You know, the city gets sued all the time, um, probably more than it should, <laughs> quite honestly. But, um, you know, th that's an important responsibility for a city attorney as well. And then the final third bucket is advising the city council um, on various laws and ordinances that they may want to see drafted and passed. Fascinating. Um, I wonder, does every city have a city attorney or how does it work for smaller towns? Yeah, I mean, it, it'll, it depends. Every city is different. Um, you know, here in California, it's, you know, the, their city attorney is elected in San, um, San Francisco, San Diego, obviously Los Angeles, but there are some cities that, that, that it's an appointed position. And then there's some cities, even smaller places that don't have one at all. You know, they, they loop in the responsibilities of the city attorney's office maybe into a municipal attorney position. It really does depend. And I think that this just lends more confusion, again, to, to what people think of a city attorney, why, you know, a lot of folks don't know what they do. Right, of course, that can be incredibly confusing. Um, does the city attorney represent and advocate for government officials of the city or for the residents and the people of the city? 
You know, this is also a question that I get a lot uh, in the city charter of Los Angeles. And again, this will depend on the different cities, but in Los Angeles in particular, it is written in the charter that the city attorney's office, the city attorney is responsible for defending the city. And here it's defending the departments um, and individuals in some capacities. So um, if they're if they're sued, for instance, like individual police officers will often get sued. So in that case, you know, when, when if they're sued in their individual capacity, then obviously not. But if they're sued on, on behalf of the department or something they did um, while working with the department, then yes, you know, that in that case, the city is representing, you know, the, the department as well. But um, it, it really... It, for me, because it is an elected position here in Los Angeles, I do believe that the city attorney here is responsible to the people of Los Angeles because it's it's an elected position. People voted you in, you know, and you have a responsibility to that. So I think it uh, the responsibility we have to the people of the city goes, be, I think, in my opinion, beyond the city charter. Got it. So how does the city attorney work in relation to the state attorney general and then maybe the U.S. attorney general? Very closely. But here, you know, when I was at the U.S. attorney's office, I worked on a lot of cases that actually did have a city attorney component to it. So we would get the cases, you know, they may start off as a misdemeanor within the purview of the city attorney's office. And then, you know, through the course of investigation, it may this investigation may end up looking like it's a much bigger case. It's a much bigger investigation and needs more resources. So in a situation like that, that investigation would get referred out to either, you know, the state attorney, attorney general's office, maybe the district attorney's office, if it turns out it's going to be a felony. Um, Or if it's even bigger still, and it might be a question of, needing federal resources and a federal law enforcement referral, it would get referred to the U.S. Attorney's Office. So I think it's inherent to, in order to keep prioritizing public safety, that there be a close relationship between the local, state, regional, and federal law enforcement partners. Because, you know, crime doesn't really, um, doesn't really adhere to these kind of jurisdictional issues, you know, and, and I think it really, we, we need to be able to work very closely together and very well together in order to really bring those cases um, to justice and to make sure that the victims are are um, are able to get achieve that kind of uh, that fairness. Absolutely. You know, I have to ask you something, Marina. As a taxpayer, this really irks me, but it seems like on a somewhat frequent basis, cities, city councils, or city agencies get sued for millions and millions of dollars um, for firing someone uh, in the wrong way or for breaking some of our basic rules. How can city attorneys help inform government officials so our taxpayer dollars aren't going to settling all of these lawsuits? Yeah, and some of that, you know, is it'll depend on the philosophy of the city attorney. You know, we've we've had some city attorneys that believe in settling everything, you know, believe that litigation is expensive. Oftentimes it just makes sense to just write a big check. The problem with that philosophy, in my opinion, as somebody who's been both a prosecutor and a civil litigator, is that you just you can you run the danger of setting up the precedent that the city is just you know going to write blank checks effectively they're just in charge of you know settling on these cases and they're never going to litigate so why not just 
continue to sue the city because they're just going to, you know, settle it and send you a check and make you go away. Um, it's just going to increase more the number of lawsuits. So I think that's, that's the problem with that kind of philosophy. Obviously, litigation is expensive, so I'm not going to, you know, sit here and tell you that you should never settle a case. It does make sense in some cases. But I think, um, honestly, taking on a position where, you know, you are going to litigate cases, you are going to litigate cases that may make sense to litigate. You know, I, I was hearing the other day of a lawsuit involving, uh, you know, broken sidewalks. You know, here in Los Angeles, uh, we're not the best about uh, our infrastructure and, and maintaining our sidewalks. And so people keep falling over these cracks in the sidewalk and they keep suing the city. And the city ends up settling for an amount that is many times over what it would take to just simply fix a sidewalk. And, you know, this is why people get frustrated with government, because it just doesn't make any sense sometimes. Uh, I think that part of the role of the city attorney is to give sage advice about the litigation risk. And like I mentioned before, it may involve litigating sometimes, even at a greater cost, because there's the concern that not litigating, that just taking a default settlement approach is going to lead to further lawsuits. Um, and also providing better quality advice when it comes to drafting ordinances and regulations, you know, sitting down and being like, okay, this, you know, city council, you may want to, you may believe you want to pass this, but understand that this rule, this ordinance, the way it is written is going to come with certain litigation risk. And I think um, if we do that, I think we do stand the chance of reducing how much money we set we we spend in settlements every year and i think a lot of taxpayers would be really happy to hear that <laughs> yeah myself too i mean i you know and you mentioned too um firing people for the wrong reasons and you know a lot of lawsuits in the city are also settled that have to do with you know retaliation uh, sexual harassment claims, you know, lack of diverse hiring. So the third kind of prong to that answer would also be, you know, improve our diversity and retention and recruitment um, practices in the city. That That's always a good way to avoid lawsuits. Let's go back to the election stuff briefly. We talked about how some city attorneys are actually elected. So are there any contributions or donations that city attorneys shouldn't accept um, that maybe it's looked down upon to accept them. Yeah, I mean, there's um, there's a couple that I think right off the bat would raise eyebrows and might even be against the law. You know, if you're a current city attorney and you're, say, running for re-election, certainly you should not be accepting contributions from anyone currently being sued on your, you know, on behalf of your office. I think that that's like, you know, definitely a, a, a no-no, and again, may even be illegal. Um, or she certainly should be. Um, but, you know, if you're not an incumbent city attorney, I think then it just comes into whether, um, you know, you're comfortable taking certain contributions. Like I know, for instance, on my campaign, we're not taking any bail money. Um, we're also not taking any big oil money. You know, those are the two kind of categories. Uh, I think there's others as well. But that more just has to do with the philosophy of the person running for office. You know, we've had, there's some... Um, there's some candidates for other offices, again, not city attorney, but maybe city council that are even broader in terms of who they don't take contributions from. But certainly, I mean, I think that um, the city attorney's office is, is, again, a little bit unique in that it is a prosecutorial office, right? So in the event that 
for example, I would ever have accepted, you know, money from someone that later ended up, you know, being in front of the city attorney's office for whatever reason, um, you know, being prosecuted or whatever. I mean, that, that, that is a conflict, right? And that's something that should be certainly addressed. Um, and that's some, something always to consider when you're considering, you know, who to take contributions from and who not to. Right. You know, in, in recent years, it seems like the role of the city attorney, at least in some cities, is maybe moving a little bit further into politics, um, even just with these distinctions, right, of who am I taking money from, who am I not. Um, and we've also seen city attorneys get involved with a lot of things from maybe gang injunctions to gun control issues. So how do you see the role of the city attorney, especially the specifically the elected city attorneys changing in the next 15 to 20 years? So I would say that, you know, because it is an elected position, I think obviously politics is a part of it. Um, but, I, you know, I, I just for me, I see myself as a prosecutor first and foremost. You know, people tell me, well, you're a politician now because you're running for office. And I, I get that, you know, I, I understand. But for me, that job and the job that I left at the Department of Justice is always going to be one of a, of a prosecutor. That's always the hat that you put on and the role that you play. And so to the extent that um, politics comes into play, I, I would say maybe more policy, less politics and more policy. And that's every prosecutor, quite frankly, whether elected or appointed, every prosecutor, um, whether it's a line prosecutor or the prosecutor, the U.S. attorney, the district attorney, is always going to have certain policy priorities that they follow. Uh, for instance, on the federal side, uh, U.S. attorneys, we, we haven't prosecuted marijuana possession cases in a long time, at least a couple of years, um, even though, you know, it's still a federal crime to be in possession of marijuana. But it's a it's a policy decision that has been made to not prosecute those cases. And likewise, you know, we've prioritized the prosecution of other cases, as I'm sure, you know, your listeners are aware there's an opioid epidemic in the country. There's so many overdoses, a proliferation of opioids um, is just is massive. And so when I left the Department of Justice, uh, I was in charge of the coordination of opioid overdose cases. Um, and that was a priority, you know, at the time because the situation, you know, demanded it with the number of overdoses. And likewise, uh, gun control issues you mentioned. Right now, there is a proliferation of ghost guns in Los Angeles. And the city attorney in L.A. has uh, instituted some creative ideas uh, on how to go after ghost guns. I think other cities have done the same. Um, but it's, it's, it's partly it's forward thinking. I think, of trying to identify the big social issues that are problematic in the city or the region where you're at and trying to do something about it, you know, making those issues, the solving of those issues a priority. And that's always going to be, um, you know, within the within the initiative of the city attorney or the prosecutor. Really interesting. And I think that not a lot of people realize that that role that the city attorney has in, like you said, prioritizing what we are enforcing and how we are going about enforcing it. That's really fascinating. You know, to wrap things up, I would love to hear your take. In a perfect world, should city attorney positions be elected? Should they be appointed? What is your take on that? 
You know, and that that's a good question. And I always go back and forth about it because on the one hand, I do think that being um, being elected makes you accountable to the people. You know, um, I kind of started off mentioning that, um, you know, there, there's the obligations written out in the city charter and then there's the obligations that I believe come from being an elected an elected representative from having been elected into that seat by your constituents. So I, I personally like that obligation. I like that we're always going to be beholden to the people of the city. Um, on the other hand, as you know, I think we're seeing with the Supreme Court um, and with, with other appointed positions, there's there's a certain freedom from politics that you get when you're when you're appointed and don't have to deal with politics. I mean, personally, I will tell you, running for office, the act of running for office is one of my least favorite things. Um, so personally, I would love for it to just be appointed. Um, but but I get why I get why it was made an elected position um, because of that obligation to the constituents. Marina, thank you so much for your time and for your insight. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You can learn a lot more about Marina by visiting her website, marinatorres.com. That's marina, T-O-R-R-E-S.com. And you can find hundreds of other exceptional experts at rolliapp.com. That's R-O-L-L-I-A-P-P.com. I'm Catalina Villegas, and you can always connect with me on social media at Catalina Official O-F-F-C-L on Twitter, IG, or Facebook. Until next time.